Before we begin, a word from our sponsor. Staying In is supported by CastBox, the fastest-growing, highest-rated podcast app on iOS and Android. CastBox has over 50 million free episodes that more than 13 million users download and listen to wherever, whenever. CastBox has also pioneered a brand new way to search. All you have to do is enter a keyword or phrase, and CastBox will search all show titles and transcripts of every single episode to deliver exactly what you're looking for. So, head on over to your app store, download CastBox, and try it for yourself today. And now, on with the show. Dear Esther Live, The Lego Batman Movie, and Sunless Skies. This is Staying In. Hey, hey, no, but the question I wanted to ask, gents, is mm. that, like, and I don't want you to put any punches with your answer. I want mm. you to, I want it straight from the hip. No beating around yeah, the bush. Okay. Um, am I cool? Oh, no one, no one jumped right in there with okay, you. Well, that's the answer, isn't it, really? Cause <laughs> well, it's all right, guys, I, calm I was, down. I was, I was uh, giving a lecture today. And I used the expression to describe something that was what I thought was pretty good, and I described it as something that was dope. And yep. the look of derision in my students' eyes and, and the kind of reaction of utter disgust made me realise at the age of 32 that I'm not down with the kids. That's all right, the kids are idiots. As I assumed I was. But there, am I using the wrong language? Are there any expressions? Like, what's what, what Pete, you've got your fingers on the pulse. Sure. You know what's hip, what's yeah. groovy. Yes, what the young folks are talking about. Yes, what the kids brands. are into. That's it. Hashtag content. Um, so, I, Pete, what, give me give me some words that I can use for my well, lexicon. I always enjoy uh, bringing out the word banging. Uh, banging. Okay. I will use. I will use. I will use banging. Yeah, get a piece of paper and a pen. I use the word banging uh, sort of ironically, and they, right. therefore it's quite cool. I, I understand that millennials are very into. Uh, the irony. I found out that we are millennials, by the way. Did you know that? Uh, yeah, we are. If you're 34, yeah. I think it's up to the age of 34, 35, something like that. We're technically you're classed as a millennial, which uh, shocked me somewhat. Um, did you know that the word cool isn't really cool anymore, Chris? Yeah, is that a bit like the opposite of sick? When something's sick, it's not like ill, like Sam was. Did you use the word sick? No, my cousin used the word sick. Mm. Um, he's a generation below me. Right. So... Yeah, no, not sick. Um, okay. Um, so I can I can tell you, Chris, yeah. that using uh, a piece of software, I can see that the use of the term dope is actually plateauing in the English language. Hmm. It reached its peak in 1941. No, actually, it reached its peak in 1943. That might not be the definition of dope that we're more familiar with now. No. Um Probably not. Weirdly enough, for some reason, I don't know where they get these stats from. It in eighteen forty one, it had a little bit of a rise, and then it went out of favour, and then just shot up in the nineteen twenties and forties. But now it's it's sort of levelling out. We're really not using dope as much as perhaps we should be using it more. Yeah. Well, yeah, but like dope is just. Mm. <sighs> I mean, what was the context, Chris? Um, I, it was. I was talk. I was talking about like a, a particular group of performance artists, like right. well, not performance artists, and what they did with the, the city in terms of trying to remap the city in kind of anarchic and subversive ways. Right. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That, that, yeah. That, okay. This is where you, this is where you went wrong. Context is right. everything, Chris. Is 
weren't they really anarchic and crazy and did things against the book? That was, insert typical what I think the kids think is cool and funny here. I said it was dope. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter what word you you could have put literally any word in there. You could have put a, you could have put a word in there that was that was the absolute most high end, super cool SXSW kind of uh, yeah, crescent freshness, and um, yeah, they would have they would have laughed at you, or or you would have you would have immediately made that word uncool by saying right. you know something along the, those lines. Um, sorry about that, Chris. I, I basically, I think, I think you've 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 picked the wrong opportunity there to to talk about. It's basically you've got to pick your battles. That's what I yeah. would say. That's a good point. So actually, it's, so what you're saying, P, is it actually wasn't my fault. I was a victim of circumstance. No, it was definitely your fault. Don't read into anything else. You than said that. the word. Yeah. Right. You, you well, can you give me an alternative word then? Okay, Peter, Peter, Peter. Let's let's rewind, rewind, rewind. Okay. Yeah. Go on. If you're in that position, yeah. what would be the word that you would you would slot in instead of dope? That is down with the kids. It's 2018. Yeah, yeah. So I would say, you know, if I was saying something very uh, intelligent, which is obviously very rare, but if I was saying something intelligent, then, uh, you know, it would be something along the lines of, I don't know, something like, and that's why Wittgenstein believes that the limits of our world are our language, and that's just good. I would just say good. Because right. if I if I chucked in something if I chucked in something <laughs> like like super dope freshness you know it's it, it, uh, we're talking about something quite high end and 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 highbrow or something like that uh, yeah it, it's it's more about that it's not I would just say and and that's why it's jolly good and they go ah oh, wow yeah Chris is cool because he's bringing back the old school that'd be that'd be the way I would do it okay so something retro a little bit blast from the past I like that Samwise what would be a good alternative that I could use instead of dope Pete's giving me a good selection there I think always uh, the positive negative is always a great one mm-hmm. uh, um, so uh, and swearing if if I was going to create a formula for creating a dope word yeah. I'd make it a positive negative and also a swear so <laughs> Uh, if you phrase to say, oh, so Sam, give me something, give me a positive okay, word. So if uh, a positive word would yeah. be respect, respect. I'm going to go with something negative. Respect. What's the opposite of negative? Of what's the opposite of respect? Disrespect. Okay, fucking disrespect. There you go. Yeah, we're making cool words. Okay, another one, another one. Can I have one more? Fucking disrespect. Okay. Yeah, so if you were finishing that sen- that sentence you were saying to your kids, I don't know what they are, if you're saying, and that's why Socrates was right to go to death, fucking disrespect. <laughs> like, <laughs> Cut to title screen on the PowerPoint. Rapturous applause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so let, let's, let's do one more. So let's have a positive word. Pete, positive word. Um, uh, Shouldn't be too difficult. Sa- uh, satiated. <laughs> Okay, so what? Hungry, starving. Yeah. Okay, so uh, and really, in essence, what Plato is saying is that we're all in the cave, shit starving. <laughs> shit starving's good. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like shit starving. That's good. Shit starving. We got shit starving <laughs> and fucking disrespect. <laughs>
out the corner of my eye because I've been doing I've been, I've been doing some uh, housework, some DIY. Oh yeah, and DIY. Go on. Yeah, a little bit of DIY. Well, I got. Um, do you know that it's not called No More Nails, but it basically it allows you to like. It's, blue tack. It, yeah, it's no, it's a bit better. It's a bit more permanent than blue tack, but it's not permanent. It's like these little labels that you could put put on the back of frames, and then they got Velcro on. They got Velcro on, and then they got another bit with another bit of Velcro, and you stick the other bits onto the walls, and then you stick the frame to the walls, and it doesn't fall down. It's really interesting and really good. I've been doing that, and uh, uh, out the corner of my eye, I've got the, my next project, uh, which is going to be to, oh to, to hang up. To hang up, it's only a mini project. It's to hang up my copy of signed copy of Journey's Nascence soundtrack. Uh, oh, by yeah. August Wintery, is it? August, uh, no, what's the name? What's uh, the name of the composer? August Winter was uh, Sean Connery's oh, character in, yeah. <laughs> in uh, the Avengers. I think movie. we're the only people Not talking Avengers. about that particular character. I, I believe it's Austin. Austin Winsory, that's it. Yes. Um, and uh, so yeah, I got that. I got that um, through a while back from a little Kickstarter and stuff because I I absolutely love. There's something about having a signed piece of soundtrack hung up on the wall for, especially for a, for a video game. I think that's really hang on, hang on, lovely. yeah, hang on. yeah. Go on. What's right. what's not quite? Can we backtrack? Yeah. Can we rewind? Yeah. To this shit starving story. Yeah, right. it is pretty shit starving. Um, it's that uh, hanging up. Is it in a frame? What is it? Yeah, it's in a frame, yeah. <laughs> it's just that, the CD. That, He's nailed through the CD. That is... <laughs> yeah. That is not a project. Is it not? No, it's it's a thing that takes ten minutes, especially if you're using that... It did not that, take me ten minutes. <laughs> especially if you're using that posh Velcro for walls. Yeah. I, a project to hang up... Like, hang, like, let me give you an idea of how easy it is to hang stuff up, right? Yeah, okay. yeah go on. The other day... I hung up a mirror in our house, right? Mm. Lisa left the left the house and said, oh, if you've got some time today, would you mind just hanging up that mirror for me? Fine. Popped to the DIY shop, picked up all the stuff that I used, took me ten minutes, bish, bash, bosh, hung it up. Lisa came home and went, why have you hung it there? Oh, no. I was like, well, that, that's because where the mirror was. Yeah. So I assume that you left it where the mirror was. Yeah. Ends up that that's not where Lisa wanted the mirror. I learned a very valuable lesson in, in sort of communication there. You know what? But yeah. I took the mirror off the wall, yeah. I covered and polyfilled the holes, and then painted it so you'd never know which wall that mirror was on. In about, all in all, that job took about a couple of hours. But you didn't, but you didn't refer to it as a project, Sam. No, I didn't. I hung something yeah. on the wall, yeah. took it down, yeah. and then pasted over the holes like it never even happened. Yeah, ooh. Like, <laughs> Pete, like the Manhattan Project was a project. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Okay, well, look, it's small. It's baby steps for me. Uh, that's that's really what it's about. So I, I'm, I'm going to hang out. So it's, it's, nice, it's a nice piece of sheet music, and um, I think it'll make a nice eye-catching thing. Because like it's a conversation star, isn't it? It's an it's a conversation star. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those things. Because as I say, like, I really like I do really like music from from video game soundtracks, but it's it's only really specific stuff. I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, I love listening to the Mega Man theme on loop. I'm I'm not into that. Uh, well, it's funny you should say that, Pete, because um, I'm in the process of hanging something else up on the wall at the moment, which is video game music related, <laughs> and um, that is I um, have got a lovely map. Of the island from the video game Dear Esther by ah. Chinese Room, and because I saw Dear Esther live last week or the week before last um, at the Liverpool Philharmonic, which is a really surreal experience. It's in like a proper kind of concert venue, 
and um, they essentially they're playing the video game live. Um, Dear Esther is what's being derogatively called a walking simulator, where you you essentially first person you're walking around uh, this Scottish island and lamenting the loss of this uh, titular character Esther and coming to terms with her loss. It's a game about mourning, and it has this astonishing score by Jessica Curry and. Uh, Jessica Curry, who, in addition to being the composer, is the studio head of the Chinese Room. For a walking simulator, it's very linear, but it was kind of one of the uh, earliest games that the Chinese Room um, put together. And it's had this kind of cult following. And it's a really surreal experience. So you're sat in the auditorium. The orchestra comes on, sits down. There's two kind of music stands at the front of the stage and a piano also for the front of the stage. And uh, the singer comes on. Um, sits down and then the actor comes on sits down and then a, a gentleman comes on and boots up the PlayStation 4 <laughs> and he's on the front of the stage but he's dressed they're all dressed in like black yeah. attire you yeah. know so it's like a proper Except kind of the like... gamer who flicks a fag out on the way <laughs> yeah. Chris can, can, Red can, Bull. Say, can it please like he switches on the he switches on the PlayStation 4 in the background he's got the you just got the ding 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 the tuning up of the orchestra and, he, and he's there just like Bag of Doritos. PlayStation 4 update June. Oh. <laughs> just ding. Slappy Flap 69 is online. Just like. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and then he basically just plays the game. And, and like, the way it works, like, um, I went with my partner, she was telling me that, like, she could see that some of them had little screens in front of them, so they knew when to play the music based on where he was in the game. And oh, right. they, That's they were kind of really following the kind of cues from the pianist at the front uh, in terms of when to kind of perform. But the way the game works is that it's you never really find out who you are because it's just it's this first person, but there's no kind of sense of you're disembodied essentially as you're walking around. And you hear this this voice, this male voiceover, Dear Esther, this kind of long winded letter to her as he's lamenting her loss and trying to come to terms with it. Was but that done re- live too? Yeah. So what was really quite cool was that the um, they had an actor um, doing the voiceover live, and this wasn't the same actor from Dear Esther. This is the actor Oliver Dimsdale, and what was quite cool was he played the lead in their later game, Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, Stephen Appleton, and it was yeah. really interesting hearing his voice in this world. It suddenly it felt suddenly like these two games were in a shared universe, and what was really good about that live experience about having the singer there. Um, as the part of the choir was that suddenly when he was speaking and he was really properly acting it like he was embodied that voiceover experience it wasn't just the voice everything was embodied that suddenly her presence that space suddenly she became Esther and that's not something you usually got when you listen to just the choir in the background of the music when you're playing it suddenly you had a kind of a personification of her and it was just a surreal experience. And looking around the room the kind of people you got in there were not the kind of people you'd expect to be there was a, there was a mother there of her kids and I remember I, I heard her walking out after just going, that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Clearly she saw, like, video games and thought, oh, my kids love yeah. that, and took oh, him along oh, to it. Sean and Gary will love that. Take him along. Yeah. <laughs> and um, a real, and I, I saw people I knew from, like, kind of the art circuit. I'd seen other performances and stuff, and they'd never seen anything like it before, even played games. And it was really cool, the interesting kind of conversations we had afterwards. But, yeah, a really interesting experience, and it's kind of touring the country. So Gunga Din, yeah. So is it already Greensboro? Did you go and see it? Uh, no, I didn't. I no, I no, because 
I because uh... no, Peter was was enjoying real art <laughs> yeah as we all know video games will never be true art therefore I have to go and listen to 250 year old men's work I, I didn't go and see it actually um, not because I didn't think it was a cool idea just because I don't really have that connection with the Rista. like I I think it was fine and everything but I didn't I, I came to it after a lot of other walking sims and I didn't really I didn't really it didn't really like grab me in that way, so instead uh, I went to go and see Vivaldi's Four Seasons and Beethoven's awesome. uh, second or fourth. Well, you did all the research, so uh, I did. Yeah, I've been listening to. I finished my lecture series now, um, hmm. which is pretty. It was pretty hard going. It was thirty-five hours of how to listen to concert music, and it was how to listen to concert <laughs> okay, music. You, yeah. I, you just just listen to it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's not actually how <laughs> that works. Uh, but uh, it was more about uh, no, you know, that, Dave, uh, that is a completely legitimate thing to do. Listen to it and then enjoy it in your own personal way. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. No, of course it is. Yeah, no, it's exactly the same way that you would enjoy. Um, and and uh, I, I know the perfect way to to put it. Okay, right, okay, okay. Go on. So it's like Elon Musk's rocket launching, right? Okay, I was going to go in a different direction, but let's let's go with yours. Yeah. Actually, no. Let's let's talk about it's it's Elon Musk's rocket engines landing after launch. Right. Okay? Yeah. Seeing two rockets that have been fired into space. Yeah. Landing untouched, ready to be used again simultaneously at the same time. Yeah. Perfectly in the places that they were meant to be is a beautiful thing to behold. That's just like a lovely thing. Yeah. yeah of course. Much like just going to a concert and listening to a piece of music. Listening to Elon Musk talk for thirty hours about how he made that possible and the <laughs> physics and the engineering and the and the computer stuff involved mm. can give you a bit more insight into yes the beauty and the mechanics behind that situation. Yes, absolutely. But it, you it don't gives... have to have heard that no, in order to not. have enjoyed the landing. No, uh, I, no, I, no, absolutely. You can go. You can go and watch the landing and be like, "Wow, that's really that's really cool." <laughs> But at the same time, if you have a deeper appreciation of why the thing that has been done is difficult or how that thing actually got done in the first place, you have a slightly different perspective on that thing. And that was the perspective that I wanted to go into uh, the the concert music with. And it was useful because I totally observed things I wouldn't have if I hadn't done that lecture series. So, so did you? Was a lecture series just about Vivaldi's Four Seasons? No, did no, you just gosh, do it no. about. No, it was okay. about, it was about um, ancient music from Greece all the way up to. Uh, ni- uh, just, <laughs> tell me more. Tell me more. Just about. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from Greece, from Greece to yeah. Hamilton, the history of West End musicals. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was that all the way up to um, early modernism, so early twentieth century, okay. so just about nineteen twenty nineteen thirty covered, um, and. <laughs> But it didn't really cover too much of uh, early 20th century music because that that is bananas, basically, uh, like from from the small amounts of music that that the lecturer was playing and stuff. But it was really good. Um, And I've realised, I don't know if you got this, Chris, but there's something very different about listening to music where you go and you sit down and you you, you shut up and you sit by yourself and you don't talk with other people and you are pointed at the stage deliberately listening and thinking about the music that's being there it's like a very different kind of experience to listening rather than like having i don't know like classic fm on in the background for example mm. um it was it was it, particularly the concert i saw because it's hands-free you're not playing the video game it was really bizarre suddenly dear esther became 
this film. Oh, okay. And that was a surreal experience, that lack of kinesthetic engagement with the, the actual artistry of it, I suppose. It was it was an incredible experience, honestly. Like I just there were instances where I just had goosebumps because being in the music hall, the sound can kind of envelop you in a manner that is kind of felt bodily in every aspect, not just through the ears. You kind of just resonate through you, and that that sense of aliveness of being in that shared time and space is just something that's just utterly bewitching. I find, generally speaking. But what you're talking about, like in terms of lectures, is the difference between hearing something and listening to something because Dan's absolutely right like I don't know the ins and outs of Dear Esther in terms of its origins in terms mm, of the composition mm. anything like that it doesn't mean I can't appreciate it any less but of course I, I, I mean the listening then becomes a subjective it, my own personal responses to what it makes reminds me of but listening with an ear to the actual kind of origins of its construction gives you a kind of a, 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 a particular take on it let's say a particular perspective that isn't just your own Mm. Um, but both are viable listening experiences. Yeah, of course, uh, of course yeah. But, yeah, um, hopefully she's going to do Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. I kind of... It'd be a bit more difficult to do that. I, it do would that be one. massively, because it's, it's not a linear Chris game. Chris screaming in the audience. <laughs> go, go down there! Go down to the gym! There's a, oh, also, there's a brilliant bit could, in the gym, he's like, walked right past it! It's like, it's like a cast of, like, a dozen or so all on stage doing just having everyday conversations and basically dying. And so, like, and it, obviously it's anachronistic as well, but I would love them just to play the music because I absolutely adore just it. Just the hits. The rapture. You should really, listeners, you should check out the music of Jessica Curry if you haven't. I absolutely adore it. I have it on every week, sometimes daily, the music from it, because I just adore it so much. Well, I know that's all very highfalutin and high-end and stuff, but Sam, Lego the Batman movie... Bat- Lego the Batman movie. <laughs> I don't know, what is it? Is it le- which one? Which one is this? Is this the one where <laughs> there is a the in it, but you put it in completely the wrong place? Lego, the Batman Lego movie, movie, Batman the <laughs> Batman movie, the Lego. So, uh, um, is this the one with uh, uh, the the Robin that's sort of based on the girl, but is actually the boy? Uh, what the girl from Frank Miller's yeah. Dark Knight? Yeah, totally look totally um, looks like that Robin. It does a little bit. I mean, his name's Dick Grayson, so I'm pretty clear of where they're getting their Robin <laughs> references from. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I just, I've, I've been having the worst luck with movies lately, other than my great cinema scam when we went to go and see Molly's Game. Mm. I've watched uh, four movies in the past sort of month, and they've all been awful, including the Lego Batman movie. But what about Get Out? You saw Get Out, didn't you, the other day? Oh, saw- I did watch Get Out, actually. Can I, I strike that from the record? I did, but I think what I'm meaning is, is like movies that I've picked not knowing that they were going to be good, so obviously Get Out's been much uh, applauded. Uh, Jordan Peele is a, a mastermind, and if you've got access to watch that film, that you should watch it. The, one of the most interesting things he said about that film is because it was nominated for a Golden Globe in the musical and comedy category. That's right. Uh, now, if you've seen Get Out, you'll know that that's wrong. And Jordan Peele was asked how he felt about it being categorised in that way. And he just responded with, well, to me, that movie's a documentary, which says a lot about how he feels and how much of himself he poured into that movie about race relations and the perception of uh, black America. It's, it's incredible. Pete, you would you would love it. You'd gobble it up. Okay that film but yeah so other than that so films i've kind of just went oh this looks interesting i'll watch that 
So it started with Central Intelligence starring The Rock and uh, Kevin Hart. <laughs> I quite like right. that. One. <laughs> yeah. We got 20 minutes through watching that, turned it off. Yeah. Then we watched Table 19 with. Um, what's Anna her Kendrick. Name? Anna Kendrick and Stephen Merchant. We made it all the way through that, but. I've not seen that one. It was like late on in the evening, and we thought, well, we either start watching another movie or we just plow on through. And then I watched The Brothers Grimsby, which oh. uh, was the Sasha Baron Cohen. And I have Jeez. to admit, by the end of it, I was having a little chuckle. <laughs> it, we got, it gets to the point, that film gets to the point where it's just like, this is utterly ridiculous. And knowing Sasha Baron Cohen, like a guy, did he get first at Cambridge or something mental like that? He's like, a smart bloke. He comes from a smart he's family. Not that, that's the thing. That's what I don't. That's what I don't understand about it because he's not that much of an idiot to make a comedy like that on purpose. Right. Like there is. I feel like it was. A, he was like doing too much subversive stuff with it. But there's some really interesting things going on. But yeah, it was still awful. All right. And then I watched. I thought I was in a safe place with the Lego Batman movie because we've all been disappointed by Batman in the past and. Ugh, this film, like, so this film was made because everyone loved Will Arnett in the Lego movie, and they thought, oh, it was great, like, that was a great Batman. I think he even turned up at the Oscars or something like that. So let's make a whole movie with this Batman. And uh, within the first 30 minutes, I had to take a break from this film because oh it gosh. starts, like, like, Chris, like, sometimes being in your company is exhausting. But this <laughs> was another level. Like it's pretty full on, isn't it? Batman, right? From the opening, from the opening, like screen of of, of black. Like after the, um, like if, imagine if you're going to see in the cinema after the certification certificate. Like Will Arnett starts talking and he does not stop until the end of the credits. Like that is literally how much this film just like pummels you over the head with this character like he comments and he talks and there's something happening every single second and it's kind of the script writer has kind of sat down and gone right there has to be a joke every five seconds or else like we are not doing our job and it's that pacing and that sort of approach to um like the script is just so exhausting like the amount of stuff they shove in right right let me just give you an idea in the first five minutes of this film, it introduced the characters Man Bat, Captain Boomerang, Edhead, Crazy Quilt, Eraser, Polka Dot Man, Mime, Tarantula, King Turk, Killer Moth, March Harriet, Zodiac Master, Mutant Leader, Phosphorus Magpie, Calculator, Hugo Strange, Red Hood, um, Gentleman Ghost, Clock King, Calendar Man, Kite Man, Cat Man, Zebra Man, Condiment King. All just for the joke, so they can say, hey, these might be real DC characters. Think you better Google it. That's what it literally says. Yeah. Okay? Wow. That, so then the film introduces, spoiler, King Kong, the Daleks, the Wicked Witch of the West, Agent Smith from The Matrix, <laughs> Jaws, Voldemort, Velociraptors, specifically from Jurassic Park, and my favourite, the Eye of Sauron. <laughs> yeah. It's like... It, it shouldn't... Oh, and the Gremlins. It shouldn't really be called Lego Batman the movie. It should be, or whatever the fuck it's called. It should be called uh, Lego Dimensions the movie. Yeah, or if Telltale made a movie. Yeah. With all the licenses they've <laughs> yeah. got. I, so I know I, 
I, my opinion doesn't count for a lot when it comes to fine films and stuff because I don't care. But I have also what this is one of the few movies I've watched, and you're right, it, okay. it is absolutely exhausting. It really is. It just like it, it's just on and on and on and on. But I enjoyed it. And what was what was the 35 hour lecture series like that complemented that? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, I. Uh, but I, I think it was. I, I think it was, but, it, was, but it, was Pete, I think, it was fine. It was fine. I think you found it enjoying because you only watch one film a year. Yeah, so it's kind of like true. all of the film in yeah. all of film and pop culture within yeah. 90 seconds. Within fair, 90 though, minutes. I'm, I'm actually I'm actually with Pete. I, I'm not saying it's a great film. I found it mildly enjoyable. Yeah, it was uh, all right. Oh, you've it seen was, it as well, Dan. Am I the only one who's not seen this thing? I mean, I, I quite enjoyed There were enough funny jokes in it to make it a, a decent enough comedy for me. I, yeah, I laughed out loud I, a couple I, of times. A comedy go. shouldn't have to have to throw a hundred thousand gags at you just so ten of them land. No, like, that's that's true. But then, but it's it is a sort of return to the form of comedy of like, is it called hot hot shots? Like hot shots, airplane, the kind of the spoof yeah. comedies. Yeah, that's but that but if you actually go back and look at hot shots and airplanes stuff like that, the jokes are real fast not yeah. quite as fast as that but they are they are coming at you thick and fast but I, I do I do totally get what you mean like like introducing all of those characters is a little bit much and it is I think the payoff of that joke is actually pretty funny because you do because you do like flick open your phone and go no condiment king can't be real and like I don't know I, I think that's quite and it's quite a touching well not touching it's quite cool to see that um, whoever it is that's written it's actually done their homework I did. I remember when I saw it, I did think, because depending on kind of where they were going to go in terms of, because having seen the Lego movie, I knew kind of the areas they were going to. And I did get a feeling that a lot of the jokes were jokes based within the DC history that I knew of, but I didn't really get because I don't, I don't yeah. read all the comics. But I knew enough to know, okay, that's from kind of old comics and that's, that's why that's there. And I could tell that they, as you say, Pete, they had done their homework. That they they knew exactly what they were doing, and they put it in there for kind of hardcore fans. Um, mm. And then on top of that, they throw in all the stuff with Sauron and Voldemort, stuff, which actually I quite enjoyed. I quite liked the idea of the supervillain bringing in these great supervillains from all these different because that's what Lego is, and that's what made the Lego Movie so good. Because I love the Lego Movie. And one of the good things about that was the fact that it took into account the fact of, okay, well, Lego is everywhere. Everything has its own Lego set now. So we can use all this stuff. We can have Leonardo da Vinci as Lego because that's just what happens now. It's Renaissance Lego, I think. Well, I'm sure Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci is in um, the Lego movie. They, they do also have um, the Lego... I think it's called the Lego Architect series or the Lego Finery series or like uh, uh, architecture. I think it's yeah. Is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah. So so you can get like fancy pants buildings and stuff like that. So Sam, obviously you didn't like it. it just just uh, just didn't sit right with you. Just wasn't your cup of tea. I I mean like these films. Like I do like the Jim Abrams, David and Jerry Zucker films. Like Top Secret is probably one of the most underrated. Well, not underrated, but it's not been a seen seen by enough people. But even though they do like throw jokes at the screen, there always feels like there's enough thought behind it. And and well, what I mean is like it's the way that the film's paced is on purpose. So you know when you're going into it, you know you're going to be hit with a, a hundred jokes an hour. So they play on that. So they 
keep on priming the script. The script is so brilliantly written, so it's so it's pace. It's, it's almost like an orchestral score. Like they build you up to think that a joke's coming, and then sideswipe you with something something else. It's like that scene in Airplane where they go, "Oh, that's where my drinking problem started." Yeah, yeah. After he talks about that whole harrowing moment, and then he spills his drink. It's just like, bam! You just didn't expect that coming. And like, please don't call me Shirley. Like, how many times can they keep on playing that gag? And then no gag happens for a second. There's that scene where he pulls those sunglasses off his face and then he's got another pair of sunglasses underneath like it's how they it's how they pace them they they they're able to bring the jokes in and meter the jokes at a certain point there's a there's a thing in there's a thing in audio recording called dynamic range right and that's the difference between the loudest sound and the quietest sound so classical music is famous for a massive dynamic range you go from very very quiet to very very loud quite a lot during a during a piece and that to me is like a jim abraham's film where the jokes in it even though there's so much coming at your screen they're perfectly positioned and you know we're going to go something big here then i'm going to bring it back down where this lego movie has a dynamic range of like radio one like everything is just compressed into this space it's just there's just no moment in that in that film where it just goes and it, mm. I, and the last half an hour of it, I just went off and did something else. I just couldn't <laughs> carry on watching, like, just being abused. Like, my senses were just abused. Like, there's a thing as well called audio fatigue, which comes from listening to sound that has no dynamic range to it. And you're, and you're, and, and we, we're told about it at work quite a lot because it, it just gets to the stage where you just can't make sense of what you're hearing anymore. I mean, that's kind of a, a, a extreme way you can still hear but you lose your ability almost to kind of sense the differences between loud and hard sounds because you've just been listening to like one narrow band of frequencies for so long like it causes fatigue you feel tired and worn out and it's it's like let me have a rest lego the batman movie or whatever (laughs) well sam if you if 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 you want to break your streak of bad movies i i have a suggestion for you um go on as as you guys are fully aware, I like to think of myself as someone who is fairly, you know, kind of uh, at the peak of popular culture and kind of right on top of kind of the, on the crest of everything that's going to be good, okay? Yeah, so recently, yeah. I discovered certain films that were like animations that were made in Japan. And I know these are kind of very kind of low, uh, not many people watch Japanese animation. I know I've, I'm kind of introducing it to quite a lot of people here. Um but I watched. Is that sarcasm? Yes, that's sarcasm. All right. Uh, so I was going to say, quite a lot of Japanese people watch Japanese <laughs> animations, <laughs> so much so that they've got their own genre. <laughs> um, but I, I watched uh, a couple of weeks ago. I watched for the first time *Spirited Away*, which, okay. is, an, which is an excellent film. Good. Um, and I got my uh, wife to watch it, and that she wasn't sure about it because she just didn't really know any that kind of animation and what it was going to be like. That became kind of like one of her favourite films of all time. And then I wanted to watch something else, and she wasn't too keen about kind of dipping her toe in again. Um, mm. And then the other day, she kind of said, "Just put something on Netflix, and we'll just watch something." So I picked a film that I've, that's currently on uh, Amazon Video uh, Prime, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is called Your Name. Has anybody seen it? No, I it's haven't. called Sam. It's not called Sam. It's called Your Name. It's on my wish list. I think it was wasn't it in Mark Kermode's top ten films of last year? I think it, in. It was Mark Kermode's uh, ninth best film of 2016. It's the most watched... It's meant to be the most watched Japanese anime of all time. Uh, That is still Spirited Away, I think. 
Oh, okay. That's so. Yeah. Okay. Well, I got a press I release. Think, about I it, think. I think. So. I think it's second. I think it's in like fourth or fifth. It's, it's in very, like very, very popular. Yeah. It kind yeah. of. I think it broke records in terms of being top of the kind of the box office. It's the only film, only Japanese animation not directed by Miyazaki to hit over uh, ten billion yen. Um, Jeez. So it's a fairly big deal. And I'd heard about it, so I, I put this on. Um, I'm, I prefer to watch kind of uh, these films with with dubbings as opposed to subtitling. It's just I find that the dubbing usually is really good, and it doesn't affect my kind of enjoyment at all. Um, so I watched this film, and not really knowing much about it, and I won't give away all that much. The, the kind of the, the the premise of the film, it's a it's kind of a body swap type of film where high school girl and a high school boy, high school boy who lives. Um, in the middle of, middle of an urban area I think he lives in the middle of Tokyo and and a high school girl who lives uh, kind of in this small village uh, wake up one morning and they've switched bodies they don't know each other they don't know anything about each other but they realise they've woken up in this, someone else's body and then they go to sleep that night they wake up and they're back themselves and this happens a number of times and they begin to learn who this person is and they start to kind of live each other's lives and kind of they begin to create some form of communication through leaving notes for each other and stuff like that and a relationship develops over time now i don't want to go too far into it because one of the joys i found of the film was just the kind of experience of taking it all in and the 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 kind of the journey that the the story does go on but sam if you're coming off the back of like a, a rather aggressive animated film let's call it um in lego with batman the movie um or, yeah. or whatever it is uh, I would highly recommend watching Your Name um, it's it's available on Amazon Prime so if you're if you're a Prime member it's it's available for you there and it was just absolutely fantastic and it has stuck with me it, it does kind of play on my mind and I think about the story I think it through and it does and it really resonates in terms of just kind of having a lovely overarching narrative and kind of the journey it takes you on it, the journey is kind of a cliched term but um, mm. it, it really, really has stayed with me, and I'd recommend both you, Sam, and kind of anyone who's not currently in a film funk um, to to pick it up. As somebody who has a passing interest in anime, um, do you think? Do you think oh, that's me, by the way, not me specifically saying you? Uh, do you think that you will watch more anime? I am only really going to watch them when they are available through the platforms I have. In terms okay. of Netflix or Amazon Prime, um, yeah. and I will I will watch them. There is there is a number of them on um, Amazon Prime at the moment. The next one I would like to watch is called The Red Turtle, which is a, it's a it's a different kind of animation. Um, but it's a, it's a silent film came out last year, and I'm I'm really looking forward to watching that. There's certain films like Song of the Sea. I'd like mm-hmm. to watch uh, the Taylor Print the Taylor Princess Kaguya. I'd really like to see, and some of these are available for me to watch. So I will kind of catch up on them. I'm not going to go and search them out and kind of I'm not necessarily going to buy them stuff but if they if they come onto the services that I watch because I don't I don't watch that many films really I watch what I can in the evening times but often I'm not mm. going to be watch, sitting down to watch an entire movie right now because I get quite tired these days yeah of course um, so if there's something on that I can I can watch and I can put on a stream that I can if I don't finish it one night I can pick it up again um, although I don't like doing that then that's much uh, that's much more appealing to me rather than having to go out of my way to search something out which is which is proving more difficult in a way that I don't know if I'm going to enjoy it 
I'm searching mm. something out to get that I might not enjoy and then I'll feel like oh I've just wasted that whereas if I'm already praying for a service that offers it I can watch it kind of no strings attached that's really cool though because you've now got this whole new medium in front of you that's sort of adjacent to a thing that you already love which is uh, already loved beforehand you know cinema and now there's like a whole new medium that's kind of opening up to you I think that'll be really that'll be really that's really exciting it is, and, I, and I'm, I'm excited to kind of to trust because to try new ones as well. Because because of the nature of me going through these services, I'm generally only going to see kind of the better ones because the, uh, the bigger. No, 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 no. Right, just so okay. As somebody who's watched a lot of shit anime, uh, uh, be warned that just because an anime ends up on one of those services, uh, it won't necessarily be brilliant. You'll definitely. But Pete, def- Pete, you have to understand. I'm not like you. I'm not going to just watch every single piece of anime I could watch because I'm. I am going to cherry pick them. There, yeah, I definitely cherry pick because, like Netflix, for example, there's some really good anime on there, and there's just some some stuff that you go, oh, that looks interesting, and it won't be. Uh, there's it's real hits and misses. I couldn't find too much stuff on Netflix I was interested in. There was a, a kind of a, a small a small selection, but there's a few yeah. on on the Amazon service that, that yeah. have interested me, including your name. Um, what, Peter? Which got two thumbs up from me. Good. And and if uh, you don't want to watch it drawn by hard-working uh, Japanese folks, you can just watch the American adaptation from J.J. Abrams coming next year. That'll be good. Or something. That'll be fun. Oh, he's a, he's a one, isn't he? He is a one. Um, lads, I um, I've just been looking online to find the worst Lego sets ever. <laughs> okay. Um, what, do you, what do you mean by ones that have been like the really crap built. ones? So I, I can send okay. you an example. I can send you an example. Do you remember that moment in the um, Re- Return of the Jedi where Luke Skywalker has that face-off with the Emperor? Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, do you remember the actual corridor that he walked through? on his journey there I mean I don't but I'm sure you're about to rekindle that well, memory to be, to be fair I think there's more than one corridor in, in, in Star Wars I'm fairly confident that there is more than one corridor but it's alright because you don't need to worry, think about it because somebody um, Lego made an official Lego set of it no of a corridor of the corridor well I can't wait for this that looks it's called Final Duel 2 and it was released in 2002 <laughs> <laughs> wow! I mean, that, that just I mean, is that just is a grey, a, a a grey. That's not what good. is it? Just it's just like a grey rostro, which which it looks like something that someone would have would get married underneath. Yeah, like, or, or or they've like, just finished a marathon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, it's just yeah. a black sort of archway with a stormtrooper. Interesting Star Wars fact: I found out the other day. Mm. I was listening to an interview with Mark Hamill. And you know at the end of Empire, when he finds out that Darth's his father... Spoilers. When that was filmed, the line that Darth Vader actually said was that... What's his name? Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan killed his father, right? So that, that was the line. So, like... And so then Mark Hamill acted it and was just like, no, like, it can't be, like, my teacher, my mentor, hand cut off, all that stuff happened. It was always meant to be that that line would be overdubbed, but they always wanted to keep it a secret from uh, from what was actually happening. So, like, even wow. 
Mark Hamill didn't know at the time that that was that was what it was meant to be. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, that that is shit Lego. I mean, you could buy yourself a set for a tenner, maybe even cheap. But bloody, there's lots of these things for sale. There's twenty five. There's oh my god, there's like seventy five of them. Do you do you? Here's something. Okay, so I I, d- I don't like to be disparaging about anybody's hobby. I think if you're into a thing, then you're into a thing. And like, I I find some of the most interesting people are into the most into stuff that I would consider desperately dull. Right? I had a fan- an absolutely fascinating conversation with a guy who spotted trains. Like that was his thing. And mm-hmm. I talked to him for, like, two hours about it. Like, he, he was absolutely fascinating because of the passion that goes into that thing and you figure out, oh, this is why this thing is interesting. So when I say this, I don't mean to be mean, but I don't understand adults and Lego. Um, I do. Like, like I do. I, 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 get, I get why you would buy it and go, oh, this is really cool, and play it with, like, a kid or something like that. Like, if, you'd, if you, like, got a set and you go, oh, let's, let's, let's make it billy like let's let's make this really cool little set and you make it together and that's great and you put up on a shelf and yeah Pete, like but the, the the sets that you're making with little billy is not the sets that you're playing with as an adult oh right okay so are they the, like the more... sets you're playing with little billy is the final jewel 2 platform <laughs> with a single lego man on it right right little billy's as, as sad a, isn't he as an adult you're building the entire death star right but then once which you've built is it, an incredibly you... complex yeah project which would take probably months to build that's it's it's right. it's a it's a project i mean when you say com- now that is a now that is a project that, oh, that is that's... a project isn't it but when you say complex they are really complex i mean it's not final jewel 2 complex i'm no. just looking at i'm looking at final jewel 2 makes more sense if you look at what final jewel 1 is so final jewel 1 you get the emperor you get darth vader and you get the emperor's throne room so, Final Jewel 2 has Luke Skywalker and... Is, 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 is the corridor outside of the main room? Yeah, so you kind of need both of them. What I love is that on this website that Chris has found, someone's put up their their Final Jewel 1 for sale, and it's, and it's the worst listing I've ever heard. These are the words you don't want to hear when buying Lego online. Final Jewel 1, used, incomplete. Oh, shit, what does it have in it? Throne of Emperor only. No minifigures, no instructions, no weapons or box. Please see picture. <laughs> <laughs> and it's literally just three bits of Lego for three quid. All different um, colours. Um, yeah, it's crazy. No, but for Pete, to answer your question, it's like um, my partner for my birthday last year, mm. she bought me a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. And mm. she, she honestly didn't know how that would sit with me because I was... I, I was I was quite stressed at that time, and so having something like that, that honestly, yeah, it sounds really silly. It sounds like really old, um, but actually, because I know I've know of people that have bought jigsaws for other people, like their parents, and they've gotten quite offended because they felt that you know they're being treated like they're elderly now or something. Because there's a, I mean, my nan does jigsaws like I mean, she just knocks them out of the park. They're incredible. She's a jigsaw doing. I mean, that's machine. not the way you do jigsaws. Isn't is it? But we don't we don't argue <laughs> with her because she's my nan. Just sellotapes um, all the pieces into a ball. Just makes it one big jigsaw. <laughs> um, but um, so, but um, but I tell you what, there was something incredibly relaxing and dare I say almost meditative about doing it. Oh, and I think the point Dan was going to make though was that when you got to the end, I don't like, I haven't got it framed on the wall. I just put it back in the box. It's the process that's enjoyable. Oh, it's so it's much. kind of like one of those adult coloring books. Yeah, to an extent. Yeah, like you don't put that on the wall, and like it's not like you and your your kind of lunchtime. A minifigure painting that's that painting that's going to actually have a use 
when you actually play it in Warband's Bushido at some point. Well, but like, whenever for it me, does play that blue yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's but, a whole like, for this, it's the actual grown-ups, process yeah. of doing it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, but I, I guess... I, no, you know what? I, I hadn't considered that. For me, there is a process in... in miniature painting and there is a, there's like real artist I mean not in my work it's rubbish but like in other people's work there is there is artistry right but like no you're right there is there is there is something quite soothing about doing it and yeah I suppose if you're not prepared to put in a ridiculous amount of time into doing like painting up four little dudes yeah okay you could make a whole death star couldn't you in the amount of time that it would take for you to to do you know three asian peasants yeah to 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 build the death star to death star set would cost you four hundred pounds, and Whoa. it has over four thousand pieces. That's ridiculous. So this, so this isn't the stuff you're playing with. You're building with little Billy. No, I mean I'd have to say here that I would, I would rather spend four hundred pounds on a Bushido set and all the paints and brushes to paint it, knowing that I could end up actually playing it afterwards, rather than going, "Hey, I built a Death Star." great <laughs> yeah i'll tell you what yeah. i tell you what when i went through what i like to call like i don't know some we all go through it a kind of a mid midlife crisis i right. was very close to buying the lego tumbler and then i realized that it was basically about i don't know a thousand bricks that are all black and <laughs> are you, you, know, are you get meant, quite monotonous uh, after a while by that you don't mean a lego glass you mean the tumbler from the dark knight series not like <laughs> new new from lego cutlery sets <laughs> tumblers yeah. Plates. Um, it's funny, but we all have those kind of hobbies, and quite, there's, there's something quite like nice to have like a solo hobby that isn't just reading or yeah. like yeah, consuming something. It's actually a solo hobby where you're making something. That's quite yeah. nice. Yeah. No, I hadn't. I hadn't considered the fact that there is quite so, there is something quite um, meditative about following instructions or being created with limited materials, if you know what I mean. Which is your kind of creativity, let's be honest, Pete. Yeah, absolutely. Being told what to do is, is pretty much what I like doing. Um, but I'm thinking of Dan at the moment, because obviously with his infant son, yeah. Dan is trying to squeeze in free time whenever he can. So, Dan, have you found any kind of, like, we talked about, we mooted about the idea of you getting a dartboard. Yeah. But have you found <laughs> any, like, tasks that you can, you can use in those kind of small bursts of being lucid and awake when you're with Toby? How do you occupy your time now? Is your time occupied a lot differently in terms of the stuff you consume? Yeah, what Dan's been what Dan's been doing has been constructing a giant Death Star with tiny, tiny plastic pieces <laughs> with his infant son. Yeah. <laughs> Here, hold this. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be fair, not really. There's, there's, I've, I, any time I try and play, get if if there's a day when kind of me and him are together, just by ourselves, um, we'll 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 play with his toys he's just sitting on sitting in his kind of rocker i might try and play a game often he gets annoyed that i'm not giving him attention so he makes noises and cries so i have to stop playing my game um all i've been really doing is 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 watching kids tv and cbb's and there is some brilliant kids tv that i'm enjoying it's it's kind of proper like fit infants but there was that kind of twist little at uh, times little twist of humor which is which is quite enjoyable to watch go on Okay, give us an example, Dan. The, the, one of my favourite shows is a show called Dougie, which is <laughs> Dougie. Not to be confused with Doug. <laughs> Dougie is a dog who is basically like a scout leader, and he only he he can't speak. He only he speaks in kind of woofs. Yeah. Um, and bork, bork. all that the, hasn't held him back though, clearly. Absolutely not. And all the uh, children in his kind of troop are different, like animals. So there's an elephant, there's a crocodile. There's a, a mouse, all these ones. They're all dropped off by their parents, 
who obviously it's the elephant is dropped off by the elephant all that stuff or the the mouse is dropped off by the mouse except for one where the crocodile i think drops off a bear and it's kind of like everyone's included even kind of people maybe adopted children are all included as well it's really kind of interesting seeing those little details that they've put in even at this early stage and then there's like five or six of these little animals and one of them is just an absolute idiot where they do this thing where they'll they'll go to each individual animal and they I don't know, they have to name a colour or something. And it always gets to the elephant and he just says something completely random because he just doesn't understand. And it's great mm. fun. And I, I've giggled numerous times at it. So that, that's, that's how I've been spending my time, just watching television for infants. And Dan, do you watch it dubbed or with subtitles? <laughs> <laughs> both, weirdly. Both. I want to I take in as much information as I can. Man... Dougie sounds nice. Dougie sounds... This, oh, there must be something quite relaxing about watching TV programmes like that. Because there's, there's, like, zero threat, right? There, there is. There's, and depending on the show, there's another show called In the Night Garden, which is probably the most famous one. That plays at around about, I think, 6 o'clock. Because, like, the, Ooh, the, right. the, the, the children's TV channel cl- finishes at 7, cause that's when, and that's when he goes to bed. So, like, 6 o'clock, this, this runs. And it's a very kind of gentle quiet thing and it's designed to kind of help kids off to sleep but i remember actually watching it a couple of years back with my nephew and he was really really young and i remember just sitting there watching it with him and realizing like 25 minutes had gone past and i'd just been watching this show and it just completely hypnotized me and that's that's and that's what it just does to kids as well you just sit there and it's just the gentle music and it's similar to kind of stuff like teletubbies and stuff where it's all kind of bright colors and kind of simple sound the, the kind of the characters make sounds as opposed to they're not having full conversations and it's we're going to find this ball let's go find the ball um, but that that's one where you just kind of sit there and it just does kind of wash over you and you're like oh, I'm just quite relaxed now just watching a bit so it's not like Lego Batman the movie basically it's, it's the absolute <laughs> antithesis of Lego the Batman the movie the <laughs> <laughs> has Toby got his favourites uh, not yet. He's 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 no. only five months old now, so he's he's he watches a lot of them. He hasn't listened to the lecture series on uh, In the Night Garden to really no, appreciate no, no. What, that lecture series what's going is on. absolutely dope. <laughs> he, he he hasn't worked out, he hasn't like listened to like the the kind of the inner workings of Iggle Piggle and Macapaca. So on Eurogamer today, there was this article about Sunless Skies, which is the follow-up to Sunless Seas, I want to say. Uh, I think Sun- yeah. Sunless Seas came out in 2012, 2013. It was, it was a while ago now. Um, and Sunless Skies is this follow-up. It's in early access, and I got sent a code for it. So I was like, okay, I'll have a look at this. Um, and um, yeah, there's this Eurogamer article about it today, and basically they've just laid off a bunch of people because it's not done very well. And I remember seeing Sunless Seas doing ridiculously well and getting like loads of attention and lots of plaudits and loads of people saying, oh, this is amazing, this is a new step forward for storytelling in games. And isn't this, yeah. it's a great example of an indie game, like a very low, like not very low budget, but a relatively low budget indie game that's able to tell interesting stories and try different storytelling. Um, but yeah, apparently this, this new Sunless Skies I've been playing is like, it's not doing as well this time. It's sold like fifteen percent as many units in an equivalent amount of time, and like that's obviously really scary if you're making games because it's like, what is going on in Steam? Yeah, but, 
but it hasn't even come out yet though no it? so it's it, it is it's in it's in so it's in early access and therefore the full release is going to be delayed so in early so basically uh, I don't know if you guys have ever bought an early access game but it ba- basically it's a game that's kind of in beta um, and it's still being developed on and you go into the early access knowing that and you know you think well okay it's going to get better than this it's going to have more content or something along those lines so you can pay money for it now and and you can go out there and get it. And I, I'd not played Sunless Seas, and I th- actually think Sunless Skies is really good fun. Like, I I heard a lot about Sunless Seas, but I didn't really know that much about it. But Skies is about... Um, okay, so it's like there was, there was London on the planet Earth, and then something all went wrong, and then Queen Victoria decided that everyone would go into space. And now Earth is, like, fractured across different parts of space and you have to take these like things that look like steam trains across the solar system uh, and delivering people and goods and stuff like that from one area to another fighting off space bandits and aliens and finding all sorts of weird things out in space because it's kind of a it's kind of got a roguelike ish element whereby you're building this 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 character which really is your um, your ability to to go further into the solar system up and up and up and up by uh, increasing these stats, which have nice names attached to them, but they basically mean things like the ability to lie, so like cunning, and like the ability to coerce, and um, things like that in conversations. Um, and then you're also raising the amount of money that you have so that you can buy more supplies, so that you can go further out into the solar system, so that you can do more missions, so that you can do, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's, like, it's a roguelike in that way. But the thing that's kind of the interesting twist, and I think you'll like this, Chris, especially as somebody who kind of liked 80 days and and that kind of thing is um the way that it handles storytelling is very much menu driven so it's text and then menu options but the storytelling is every decision that you make has a purpose has an impact on the game uh so for example i picked up i'm really early in the game i've only been you know faffing around with it for a couple of hours um so i picked up these passengers and they were like, oh, I want to go on a big adventure. It's my time now. I want to go and have this fun time. And so you set off to the course as to where you want to go. And you have to figure out where it is because there's this huge amount of, like, uh, fog of war, it's usually called. Um, so the map is basically obscured. And you have to figure out where this, this area that these passengers want to go to is. And on your way there, you get, like, you know, halfway there or something like that. And suddenly the passengers say to you, actually, do you know what? I I don't want to go on an adventure. I'm actually quite scared. Can I stay with you instead? And it gives you two options. You can either say, no, we're taking you to to the place, or, yes, sure, you can join my crew. And so that's a relatively simple decision, but the decisions that you make will all have an impact on how how the game moves forward and will actually change the way that different uh, factions within the in the world like uh, relate to you and different uh, quests that will become available and that sort of thing and it's got ship to ship combat and it's got this really messed up steampunk futuristic mm. v- visual style to it which is just absolutely incredible it kind of reminds me of a slightly less uh, dis- like sort of depressing dishonored um, yeah, but it still has that Victoriana like gloom esque, you know, Victorian London is awful kind of feeling to it. But yeah, I, I've been mucking about with it. And I, it's it's really strange because I don't know why it's not like it came out today and I've been mucking about with it. And it, I don't, I've not got a horse in this race. It's just I've been playing it. And I'm like, why aren't people playing this thing? This is great. 
And this this is a PC game, isn't it, Pete? It's uh, yeah, so on it's, Steam. Uh, yes, I, I, it's not got controller support or anything like that, so I don't know whether or not they'll take it to consoles eventually. But yeah, at the moment it's just PC. Right. It's just I, I mean, I don't I don't really want to sound cynical, but you look at the what's happened to the studio, and it just strikes me as is it? I mean, you're the game's producer. Like, is it just bad management that you don't sell you don't sell as many copies? You don't sell as much as you thought you were going to, and you immediately have to lose staff. And it seems like is is that gambling with people's like livelihood? Surely the studio should be set up so it can take that kind of hit. It can it can it can say right, we're we're okay. Like if even if this doesn't sell, we'll we'll we'll, we'll finish it. We we've got the the staff to yeah. finish it rather than having to like lay. Have they is it have they grown too quickly? Because Sunless Sea was so popular, or yeah, I, d- I, I don't know that what their situation is. I would say this: um, they they've already come out and said we're going to finish this game. We can finish this game, no problem. It's just yeah. it. So they have the, it is on track. You know, as far as I know, it's it's on track, and they have enough budget to finish the thing with with a smaller team. So so my understanding is it will all get finished and so forth. I think in terms of how how people put teams together and stuff like that, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I would say that it is always really good as a, you know, whenever you're running a project, you want to be able to, you want to be able to add more and more and more features. And obviously you need more and more and more people to be able to do that. And sometimes, mm-hmm. and sometimes a vision can kind of run away from you a little bit. I don't know whether or not that's the case here, but, but, but that is kind of the realities of making bigger games. Like if you make a really big game, like, you know, Sunless Seas, for example, I guess people kind of expect the next thing to be much, much bigger. So, uh, I, I guess also they couldn't, they could not have foreseen what Steam was going to be like from when they released Sunless Sea to what it is now. Right, right, yeah, because Steam is basically like a dustbin of garbage at times. Like it, there, there are 120 games released on Steam every week. Yeah, like that is a totally different market than when this game, when the previous game was released, and obviously that is that is really sad, and you can't predict anything like that. Because um, this is this is set in the same world as the previous game. It's the same universe. So it's the same universe. Should, yeah. So that should that realistically that should have helped it somewhat. Yeah. No. Definitely. And 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 that's the thing. Like it, this playing it makes me think. Oh, maybe I'll go back and play this other one. Um, and there's a there's a little mobile app that's got like a kind of um, a choose your own adventure th- path thing that they've that they've made. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. Um, like it's really cool that they're setting this universe up basically. Like, and it is a really interesting space it's very um yes it's victorian london but it doesn't make that dumb uh decision of like not doing inclusion so it's not all just pale white people it's people from loads of different walks of life and it makes it really vivid it makes this space really um it feel really exciting and um and the concept itself of this roguelike where you've got to go further out into space and you don't know what's what's further on down the line it all just plays into this really exciting feeling when you're when you're in that space um i will say you know like i i guess i guess maybe visually it doesn't look that exciting if 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 what you want is like lots of explosions and 3D and and like like you know lots of stuff everywhere like this is a top down 2D very nice art like i really like the art style but but it doesn't look like a massive step forward so maybe that's part of it but 
again, I think it looks great. The character portraits are really, um, again, really evocative, and and the the world feels tangible, especially because of this storytelling. This that ties absolutely everything in. You you are this mercenary who has to try and build a fortune. And you have to do that by interacting with the world around you and figuring out your place in that world and how you're going to make money in it. And I think I think that that is the core of roguelikes, right? It's about like building yourself up so you can go further. And that is that kind of Victorian spirit of enterprise. So I think the whole thematically and mechanically it all really ties nicely together. That was Staying In with Dan Frost, Peter Willington, Sam Turner and myself, Chris Darby. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit stayingin.podbean.com for more information and links to the comics, movies, games and more covered in this episode. And also, come find us on Twitter, at stayinginpod. If you fancy using Sam's equation to make your own cool words to engage with the youth culture of today, please let us know what they are. Thanks for listening. Fucking disrespect.